This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy Vo, here with Kevin, Larry, and Will, and we're going to talk about the uh, Minnesota game. And uh, of course, you know we have a bye week coming up, and so we'll uh, uh, we'll. we'll I guess we'll do a, uh, an overview of what, what we've seen up until, uh, uh, week 13 and how the, the, the season's gone so far. Um, you know, highs and lows, things of that nature. And, you know, just, uh, pinpoint some things that folks have been talking about on social media in regards, in regards to the Carolina Panthers as a whole. Um, and, uh, just a reminder, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, we've, we've had some, Great conversations with uh, with Panther fans on here, especially during a post game uh, post game show and all that good stuff. So make sure you subscribe so you can get that that notification every time that we drop a video on our on our uh, YouTube channel. Y'all. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, so um, let's uh, let's uh, hop into the conversation here with the fellas. How's your hats, Panther fans? The former wrestlers on the scene. Larry, we'll start with you, man. Uh, shit, how did you feel about the game? Well, if I was that uh, if I were that casual fan that you know sees a team winning early in the fourth quarter, I might be the type you know just to cut the game off or go to sleep, <laughs> and then you wake up just pissed off. You know, we went into the fourth with a nice, comfortable lead, and somehow, some way, we got the Falcon syndrome and figured out a way to blow the lead. Mm-hmm. And to pinpoint on that, I'm gonna blame coaching. I'm gonna stand on that this week. I'm. Definitely going to dial in on Mr. Joe Brady. That was my topic for the post game. I just don't understand how you can have a lead and abandon the thing that you've been doing best all game long, and that's running the football. You know, there was one particular drive. Uh, I guess it was second and 13. We passed the ball back to back, ended up punting the ball. I mean, if you were going to punt, you know, just run the ball, kill a clock, then punt. But somehow, some way, you get a a young rookie offensive coordinator that just doesn't seem how to get the job done. So I'm very disappointed in that. I will point on some positives. Uh, the defense came out and had another solid performance. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't realized that you should cast your vote for Mr. Jeremy Chen as rookie of the year, I, I, I highly suggest you go ahead and do that because he almost won the game for us on his own. So a lot of bright spots on defense. Uh, trenches as a whole, I feel like we were dominant. Of course, everybody knows we gave up. Zero sacks, and uh, sorry, we had a few sacks as well on defense, and that just shows you that, you know, it kind of goes against what I say because I feel like if you win the battle in the trenches, you win the football game. That's why I'm so big on Joe Brady right now because trench-wise, I feel like we did everything that we needed to do to get a W, and it just didn't happen. So I'll let the guys touch on some things, and I'll give my feedback on how they feel, but Overall, the things that I focused on all year long, I, again, I continuously see us getting better and better at every year. Offensive line, defensive line, creating turnovers with the defense. We did all of that. So we should have walked away with a W, but unfortunately, bad clock management, uh, bad play calls from the coaching staff ended up biting us in the ass. Realness. Uh, Will, let's hop over to you, man. What you? Uh, what's your thoughts on the game? Yeah, you know, I wasn't really one of those critics that was 
critical of having a college coaching staff coming in for the first year, but you just saw a lot of mistakes you would see from a young coaching staff trying to close out a game. I mean, starting on offense, abandoning the run when you were doing that so successfully. I mean, it was so obvious in the first half what was working. When we run the ball, get chunk yard after chunk yards, and throw the ball and stall drives. I mean, I think we started out 2-9 and nine, passing the ball to start the game while we had already 50 yards rushing on the first couple series. So it's questionable why we abandoned the run. I thought that running back by committee was so effective and we just didn't stick with it, especially in crunch time when you have a lead to protect and the goal is to milk the clock and give them as little time as possible to come back down the field and score against you. So I thought that was a big problem. I don't know what's wrong with the burning timeouts. I mean, that comes back to bite you, especially on those Man. final drives. Mm-hmm. Would it be nice if you had a timeout or two to stop the clock and give get a couple extra yards for Joey Sly? I mean, not that a 54-yard field goal indoors isn't a makeable kick, but, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's – I mean, any yards helps in that situation. And then on defense, I mean, all game long, you're blitzing, you're getting pressure on Cousins, you're effective, you're stopping the run. Then on these last couple drives, I mean, he goes 12 for 12. You're just rushing three, dropping eight, and going back to what hasn't been working all year. And that's another coaching blunder right there. Just going into that soft zone coverage, letting Cousins run around, pick you apart. And then, I mean, it just went down the field like it's nothing. I mean, no resistance at all. You know, not excusing the offense for not ending the game and punching it in, but, you know, you guys still have a chance to win. You're up six, and they got to drive the length of the field. So, I mean, it's just – I just thought it was just a poorly managed game at the end by everybody. Um, we had some highlights, the back-to-back touchdowns in 10 seconds. I thought the defense <laughs> showed a second consecutive week of growth, which is pretty nice to see. They only played 50 minutes of ball, though, which has kind of been the problem with this team all year. So – you know, the theme for the rest of the year will be finished. Are they going to finish these four games strong? Or are we going to still play 55, 58 minutes of football and give games away at the end? Mm, great question. Something to keep your eyes on, folks. Um, Kev, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, well, for me, my thoughts are I'm, 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 st- I'm noticing that there's a seem to be a switch with the team as far as like production and execution you know for the first part of the season for the most part it was uh the offense executing and the defense um struggling and lately seems to be the last few games it seemed to be the opposite see the defense starting around coming to form and making plays getting sacks hits pressure uh getting better and better coverage and things of that nature but we're not able to you know, put that whole complete game. This 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 game was a perfect example of how all three phases lost you the game. Perfect example. Plenty of plenty of blame to go around, starting from you know, as Larry said, you know, with coaching, uh, player execution. Um, it it was just uh, it just left a lot to be desired as far as what was. You know, a chance for us to have a meaningful game to, you know, to, for us to be in position to make a little noise. Because with this win, that would have put us at five and seven. And that would have had us as the first team just outside the wild card spot. But, hey, when you um, play like you play and, you know, can't be consistent with what got you there, then these are the results that happen. 
you know, to add to, you know, what Larry was saying about uh, Joe Brady, I'm going to also look at Phil Snow. Phil Snow for three quarters, you saw what bringing pressure and, and, you know, at certain times, not every time, but, you know, timely pressures and four men, you know, 40 front lines, you know, did. It stifled the, the Vikings. So why go away from what's working? Until they show me that they can stop it, I get the, quote, traditional thinking of down and distance, prevent, you know, they're going to do throw every time. If they've been struggling to score offensively for three quarters because of what we're doing and they haven't figured it out in three quarters, why change it? Great point. Why change it? You know, I don't give a damn if it's the same. If, if we was just running the one, if we were just running the one or two same plays over and over, and they could not stop us. Keep running that motherfucker until they figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I'm at with that. So, yeah, coaching definitely takes a, a bigger part of the a blame for me. But I'm I'm looking at it on the <clears throat> from the defense side, and and I, hey, I gotta I gotta get into special teams as well. You know, for the most part, special teams has been. F- Fairly good to, to decent this year for the most part. We, you know, we haven't given up a really big, huge return. I don't think we've given up any for a touchdown, I don't believe. Um, mm. You know, a few decent returns we get up. Overall coverage and everything is straight. But, again, when when we needed it, you know, we got a 28-yard field goal blocked because somebody didn't want to step their heavy ass down to the left. No, excuse me. No, it was on the left side. Yeah, it was on the – Left side, but they so they need to step right. They didn't want to lean their big ass over, and that allowed number ninety-eight. I can't think of his name. I know he from South. He played at the University of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. To come in pretty much almost scot free and block that and block the field goal. Mm-hmm. I know we can't place you know the loss on any one particular play, but you can make a case made had that one step down block, but that one player would have done. That was game. You know, I mean, we could pick and point on any particular set of plays and said that this would this would have won the game. That's why I said the the, the blame ply is is plenty. It's, it's several slices to be uh, passed around. Some need to go back for seconds, in my case. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, now that I talked about the shitty side of it, I mean, I was just thoroughly impressed. My biggest fear was Dalvin Cook was just going to have a fucking field day with That's us. That thought. was. That was my biggest thing. I felt like he was going to do that. That was going to set up them for play action passing. But my God, I, I don't know if they channeled the spirit of Luke Keekley, but our linebackers came out and was thumping. And if, if, if not mistaken, I don't know what quarter it was. Didn't Cook get his bail rung and had to be taken out the game for a while yeah. or something like that? I can't yeah. remember if that one of you guys can remember. That was, that was one on that second fumble that, uh, that uh, Chin uh, produced, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, but he was getting popped. I mean, I'm oh, yeah. like, damn, <laughs> where this been at? Like, like, it felt like I was watching some some old, you know, in wrestling turn, old lumberjacks. You know what I'm saying? Like, they was bringing the wood. I mean, the they, was, they was tearing, you know, they was tearing, you know, Cook's ass up. You know, you know, let Davin Cook, nah, bro, you, you stale today. <laughs> you know, I mean, sticking that dude, man. Yeah, I mean, eighteen carries, sixty-one yards. His longest carry was um was fourteen yards that that uh that he got. 
Mm. I mean, so you take that one carry away, that will be what, 17 carries for uh, 47 yards? Yep. Come on, bro. I mean, the defense, you know, this was someone that was neck and neck with Derrick Henry for um, league rushing, Mm. you know, heading to this game. So, uh, you know, shout outs to that, you know, and it's already been touched and we didn't give up no sacks. Uh, Defense line with three rookies on it, you know, playing better and better. Uh, We even shout out, you know, good coverage. I mean, you know, we've been skull drugging, you know, Troy Pride, Troy Pride, you know, more than held his own. You know, out there this week is you know as well. So um, it's definitely some positive points to build on. But the m- biggest thing I'm coming away with is how the offense has regressed, while the defense has risen per se. So that's 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 my main takeaway from this game. Uh, just to touch on one thing you mentioned, you know, as far as Phil Snow and his philosophy at the end of the game, one of my favorite. Well, I'm not going to say one of my favorite defensive mind, defensive coordinators, you should say is Dick LeBeau. And I can think back. You can think back to the long Steelers playoff runs, whatever you want to go back and look at, but you can take my word for this. When he's in those type of game situations at the end where you're trying to prevent points getting on the board, you're trying to protect the lead, whatever it is, he never changes anything. He may add more defensive backs, you know, to better defend the pass and better defend the sidelines, but he still brings pressure. So even if he was in his base all game long, bringing pressure, bringing pressure, when he goes into that dime and quarters package, he's still bringing pressure. And I just I had a problem that we didn't that we don't know how to do that. That just bothers me. You got the personnel to do it. If you ever watched Corn Elder at Miami, he was I'm a Florida State fan. Corn Elder was a thorn in my behind because he was excellent at, at coming off of that quarter. He's an excellent blister, and you just don't get to see it. So it just bothers me that even though you're trying to protect the lead, you still, like you said, Kev, you still don't keep the pressure on. You don't have to abandon what you were doing well just because you got to change your personnel package. You can still bring pressure. You got to get creative. That bothered me a lot, man. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So my, my question is um, in regards to the, uh, the our secondary, um, can can we – well, I know this is kind of this is a big if, but can can we can we uh, uh, shut down people long enough to get just a just just a four man pressure without bringing the blitz? Do we do we need to drop you know eight seven? I mean, is, can, can we can we just can we just take care of business with just a four man rush? Depends on the situation. Honestly, the way our team is set up with three rookies on our defensive line. If I try it and I notice that that three or four man rushes and getting the, the pressure I need, I'm going to bring something. And late in the game, you got to understand defensive linemen, no matter what your rotation looks like, these guys have been playing for four quarters. They're tired. Mm-hmm. So you got to try to help them out. You should always be looking to get pressure on the quarterback. You should always be looking to get stunts, especially with a guy like Kirk Cousins that likes to like to make mistakes. Yeah. He makes mistakes. Every quarterback, when you put pressure on them, they'll find a way to make a mistake. So I don't mm-hmm. care personnel you got out there if you think you can get pressure with just three or four end of the game you still got to bring some heat you know you want to force the ball you want to force the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands so you can come up and make a tackle that prevents touchdowns too you know if you want to sit back there in that soft coverage fine you don't want to get it give up a touchdown fine still find a way to get the quarterback to release the ball you can't have him sitting back there all damn day just picking picking and choosing where he want to throw it to that's what was bullshit 
Yeah, uh, uh, Will, could you could you speak on the um, I guess the the latter portion of the game and those 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 long drives that Kirk Cousins was orchestrating? It se- it seemed to me that, from what I can remember, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, hopefully hopefully we we could we can remember this. Um, it seemed to me that the middle of the field was just wide the fuck open. Um, during those drives, he was just dinking and dunking to the tight ends and whatnot. Um, could, could could you speak on that? Yeah, I mean, when you think, I mean, the thing is, you're dropping eight guys in coverage. I mean, you're not supposed to have windows that large in your zone for one. Mm. But there's only so long you can cover, though. I mean, if Cousins just yeah. takes a sidestep, avoids the rush, buys more time, you know, how long can guys maintain their coverage responsibility in their specific zone? Mm. So, I mean, you see guys running wide open down the field in those zone coverages. And I think what's interesting about that is Phil Snow's doing the same thing in the NFL that he did at Baylor. If you study his defense last year, Baylor led the nation in three-man pressures. They dropped eight in coverage, and that was their response to stop those heavy, pass-heavy Big 12 offenses in college. Mm-hmm. He's trying to bring that into the NFL. The problem is offensive linemen are much better in the NFL than they are in college, so you're not going to get pressure effectively with three like you did at Baylor. So I think mm-hmm. Baylor did lead the country in three-man pressures, but you know, you're not going to do that against pro offensive linemen. And quarterbacks are much better. You know, they're going to know the weaknesses in the zone coverage. They're not going to panic when they see eight guys dropping. You know, they're not going to be tricked as easily. They're going to be more disciplined. They're more accurate and can make throws that these college kids can't. So mm-hmm. I think this is a part of it is Phil Snow's growth as going from a college level coordinator to a pro guy and dealing with better offensive lines and better quarterback play. Because, I mean, if he doesn't make that adjustment, I just think it's going to be something that you're going to see continue throughout his career as a defensive coordinator in this league. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, let's uh, let's get off of that Minnesota game because, quite frankly, I'm still ill about that. <laughs> hey, Tim, free flat on. I just want to say Whatever. one thing. You know, we let them last two drives that Minnesota had. Y'all know we let Kurt fucking Cousins go 13 for 14. When was the last time on God's green earth have you ever heard Kurt Cousins going 13 for 14? Oh, yeah. They they set a record, a rare record, too. I, I know, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm a stats nerd. I'll be, yeah. you know, on Twitter looking up stuff. That was the first team, I think, in the last oh god 20 something years to have four players with at least seven receptions and at least 70 yards jesus christ you think of all the elite quarterbacks here we allow kirk cousins to put up that type of elite elite performance you know uh against us not brady not mahomes not wilson not rogers not Breeze, not none of the the elite quarterbacks that we recognize in this league. We allow Kurt. Do you like that Cousins? You know, <laughs> put that on us, man. It's just like we just seen the all. It, no, it's just something about this. We just seem to always let average players just look uh, uh, above their means, man. I just I just had to say that before we left off because I when I saw that. Yeah. Stat this morning, I was just like, yeah, I had to speak on it. Yeah, oh, thirteen good, or fourteen, man. them last two drives, man, unfucking believable. Well, quite frankly, we deserve to lose. <laughs> I mean, 
you're gonna let Kirk Cousins chop you up like that, man. It's just, but at the same time, man, if, if we're scoring, if we're scoring touchdowns, then it's, it's not an issue. Anyway, we're gonna talk about that because we're about to do an evaluation. Uh, Carolina Panther fans. So, um, of course, we have a bye week coming up, so we're not going to talk about the Denver game until the next podcast. Um, so, we're going to talk about the team. Um, we'll talk about you know what what we've seen in terms of the coaching staff, you know, throughout the season. Pretty much give you a a a, a grade kind of sort of like you know coaching staff, the offense, the defense, particular players, uh, especially young players coming along, things of that nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're stuck going to be a really, really detailed breakdown. Obviously, we still have games to play, but we're just, just going to give you our, our, our take on the team um, and how it's progressed up until this point. So, um, <laughs> Larry, I, I know you want to talk about Joe, so uh, let's, let's, let's hop on the coaching staff first. Uh, we'll, we'll go that route, man. Um, talk, give, give us your thoughts on Rule and Snow and, and, and Brady, and uh, we'll, we'll get the get, get thoughts from the other fellas. I mean, although the record shows that there's not much to be pleased about, I will say that I, I, I am sensing and seeing a change of culture that is beneficial for Carolina Panther fans and the organization as a whole. Um, I was not a huge fan of Matt Rule in the hire, but I wasn't against it either. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to sit back and just see what see what was going to happen. And thus far, I am I am pleased with the direction that the organization is moving into. Um, I'm not just a, 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 a Joe Brady hater. Uh, I actually, <laughs> being, that I'm a, being that I'm a trench guy, I, a lot of people have talked about, especially earlier in the season, we had a stretch of games where we weren't giving up sacks and things like that. Right. I didn't want to give too much credit to the offensive line and the guys on it, but it was so, to me, watching film, it was schematic. Like, when we were begging... Uh, Shula to do for years, you know, stop with this, the five and seven drop back passes, stop with the, the long developing plays. I think schematically Joe Brady has done an excellent job of utilizing the targets and the, and the receivers that we have, and he's finding a great way to make decisions easy for Teddy, and we're getting rid of the ball quick, so I give a lot of credit to that, and also I mentioned earlier in the year that this was the smoothest I've seen the offense being ran in almost 20 years. It was smoother than any time that Cam has been with us. Honestly, more than when Delon was with us. Like, just the way we were move, being able to move the ball between the 20s, it was just so smooth. But I also took into account that opposing defenses didn't have film on us. So I think that's part of the explanation as to why we see, we're see we seeing a regression in the offense and then the defense is catching up. Honestly, it's because the defense is learning how to play football in the NFL. We got a lot of rookies in there. Mm-hmm. And the offense is regressing because teams have film on us now. They're figuring out ways to stop us. So, as far as Joe Brady goes, I love him from a, a schematic standpoint. But when it comes to clock management and protecting the lead, I think there's a lot of room for growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Phil Snow. I, even though nobody likes this Baylor defense that he's running, you know, for a long part of the year, we were dead last in the league in a lot of categories. And you just see steady improvement in that regard. And again, it just comes to, to learning and being in those situations, you got to learn how to protect the lead as well. So I just think it's a, even though Phil Snow is not the youngest guy in the world, it's still a young coaching staff as far as experience on this level. Um, some guys that I know personally that have coached in college, in the NFL, even high school, they'll tell you that the NFL is, 
that's top notch. Nobody's no, there's no such thing as a terrible coach in the NFL. You just gotta, it's like playing chess. Who's the best chess player? And it's just this entire staff is is having is having to learn how to get better, and the only way to learn is through experience. So, I guess the season is lost. Um, as far as evaluation goes, I know a lot of people are excited about Chase Blackburn, and honestly, we've seen a lot of bright spots in special teams this year. It just happens to be, you know, in those close game situations, occasionally we have a mishap on special teams. So I want to hold him accountable, too, because he, like anybody else, you know, if you if it was a Hall of Fame for special teamers, Chase Blackburn is a, is a Hall of Famer. He knows you got to be he knows you have to be consistent on special teams. So I think what he's probably going to be preaching here out for the rest of the season is how to be consistent. Other than that. You know, coaching staff as a whole, if I had to grade it, I'm going to give it a C. You know, it's a lot to be excited about, but at the same time, it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of room to see growth. Hmm. True that. True that. Uh, Will, what's your take on the coaching staff so far, bud? Well, at the top with Matt Rule, I'm impressed with what he's been able to do this year given the circumstances. I mean, he hadn't gotten to see his players until August. I'm coming into the season. I thought this is one of the most thin rosters in the NFL. Lack talent at a lot of positions. I mean, you can cherry pick specific guys that are very talented, but overall, from top to bottom, this just isn't a good roster. I think Matt Rules kind of overachieved early, despite that lack of mm. depth and talent on this roster to be able to come out win four games when a lot of people were expecting you know this to be a two to three win team and get these guys motivated and come out and play above expectations and compete with teams that are a lot better than them. I think he deserves credit in that regard. So I'm overall, you know, my, I'm grading him on a curve this year because I don't think mm-hmm. the roster is fully built and complete yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Brady, you know, the thing with him, I think is still an adjustment in LSU. He had better athletes than the teams he was playing against. He doesn't have that in the NFL now. So I think that's an adjustment for him because he could be a lot more aggressive in college because he's saying your DB can't cover Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and my guys, so I can go be aggressive even though I got a lead. I don't have to play the ball control game and run the clock out because you can't stop us no matter what we do. That's not the case in the NFL. I mean, you saw a couple of times we tried to attack with DJ Moore downfield, but the Vikings' second, third street corners were on him like glue right in his pocket because in the NFL, everybody's good. You know, you're not going to be able to walk over guys that easily. So I think that's an adjustment um, I want to see on his end. I just think he has to be more balanced with his attack and run the ball when it's working and not be, you know, like Larry said, you know, egotistical and trying to throw the ball when you can milk the clock and make it easier for your defense. I think the offense has been real inconsistent. Like in the preseason, I thought one – Article in the Athletic described us the best. If we were a seven-on-seven team, we'd be a very good offense. But (laughs) since the trenches matter and we have offensive lines, it's going to be an inconsistent up-and-down year. I'm not talking about the last game. I thought they were solid then. But I just think throughout the season, they've been up and down. And it cost us some games, like not being able to get a yard against the Raiders starting the season 0-1. They couldn't get enough push there, giving up that sack on their stunts against New Orleans and Chicago. So I just thought the inconsistent offensive line play has kind of held this offense back. Uh, McCaffrey's loss was big. You could tell when he's in the game, he's the centerpiece of the offense. Everything revolves around him. He's still getting his 25 touches a game. 
makes a lot of plays there. So I think that's kind of a big reason we've struggled. Nothing against Mike Davis. I thought he's played very well in relief, but there's only one McCaffrey. I mean, it's just hard to replace a guy like that. Uh, wide receivers, I thought, you know, they're talented guys. I still think, you know, it's hard to explain because, you know, they're big names. They make explosive plays. You see them do this, this, and that. But, you know, when we need them to step up, you know, you see Robbie Anderson and DJ drop balls in key situations throughout the year. You know, they're not, they don't consistently beat man press coverage one-on-one -on -one like you want from a true number one receiver. I mean, I think Curtis Samuel's been pretty reliable on third down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's – I think – I mean, part of it, you know, we we don't really attack vertically because issues with the offensive line as well. But I think they've – I'd like to see a lot more of one wide receivers just be that guy that we can go to on third down that consistently – and I think that will help in the red zone too. You know, you see these other teams in the red zone, you got Michael Thomas or somebody, they're covered one-on-one. -on -one. You can throw the ball to them. They can go up and win those contested catch-type situations. We don't really have that at the wide receiver position. I think it's an offense built from 20 to 20 when we have to go down from the 20 to the goal line, knock people off the ball, throw balls in the tight windows, and make contested catches. We don't have that. I think that's why you're seeing a poor red zone offense this year. So I still think there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that side of the ball, despite having great individual talent scattered throughout the unit. Uh, defensively, I think mm -hmm. Phil Snow's done a pretty good job considering what he's working with. I think he has a very weak linebacking core, very weak secondary, mm -hmm. and has still been able to, you know, put us in position to win. You know, we've lost games with the ball in our hands several times. I just think, you know, we saw the last couple of weeks we played some lesser teams. You see how much more competitive they are when we're not playing against Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady's and guys like that, when you play sure. teams more on their level, they look a lot better. So I think that's something we can build on there. I think what I'm excited about about the defense is that it's the rookies and second-year players that's carrying the team and setting the tone. It's Brian Burns, Derek Brown, you know, it's um, Jeremy Chin. You know, these guys are going to be the core pieces for years to come. So that's why I don't get too caught up on what Whitehead and Weatherly and those other guys are doing because I doubt they're even going to be on the roster in three, four years from now. So overall, I think – I mean, I'll give the coach and staff a B-. minus. I think they've overachieved with what they've had. Still left a lot to be desired, but a lot of room to improve as well. But I think at least they're giving us something to build on and look forward to next year. True that, man. True that. Great stuff. Uh, Kev. Well, for me, my observations is I like the fact that with starting to talk with Coach Matt Rule, one aspect that I've noticed that he's been very consistent in is that he's a fair man, but he's not going to tolerate the dumb shit. You know, one thing I've learned is that, you know, with him trying to, you know, establish a culture that, you know, you do, you do something stupid or you do something that's inconsistent with what they're playing and you're, you're not going to be kept around here uh, from the practice squad player that got caught, you know, in the club during COVID bounce his ass up out of here. I can't think of his name um, at this moment. Mm. Um, you know, Eli Apple in, uh, was cleared to play medically, but you know, he was still trying to drag it out and, and the staff came to 
Coach Rulin told him, well, he's healthy. He's clear. He's ready to go. And Coach Rule went up there and asked him, you know, you ready to practice? And he was like, nah, I'm still not feeling it. And, you know, a couple hours later, he cut from the team. Mm-hmm. When um, Schofield, you know, got his, got to start the first couple games and messed up and was just playing horrible, it took until Daly got hurt a couple of games ago for him to even see the field again. So what I'm noticing with Coach Rule is is that is is consistency. Hell, you know, even after uh, a very teeny reemergence of Greg Little, he started back playing like shit, and he slowly went down to no snaps offensively to just a couple of special teams. Mm-hmm. Now his ass has been deactivated. He's not even uh, at the player. So wow. I like the fact that you know Matt Rule doesn't you know he doesn't take you know, doesn't care about your draft status, which you was in that, you know, if, 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 if your performance on and off the field, let me include, say that if, if it's not towards the goals that's that he sets for, you know, reestablishing this culture here, then you're not going to be around. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I've been wanting to see. I feel like one of the biggest things about Rivera is that he kept players and players around more off a loyalty guy, you know, he was a player in this league, you know, so it's that, it's that, it's that loyalty, you know, uh, that he had, but, um, you know, from that aspect, that, that point of view, uh, that's what I like about Matt Rule. What I don't like, and I think it is, it is going to, it's, it's partial, I think it's partial adjustment from college to the NFL, but I also think it's something that as a fan, I feel like it should be an easy fix. It's just time management. Mm. I'm not sure where the blame goes with Matt Rule, but as the man running the ship, as the $60 million man, potentially up to $70 million, you need to find out what is the delay that's causing us to burn the hell up out these timeouts on on same drives. That'd be uh, crazy. I'd just be like, damn, you know, like what, what's what's been practiced all week? You know, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I know that Teddy was – mentioned something about it was said that Teddy post game through through the coaching staff under the bus a little bit or something to that effect. I, I didn't hear that part, but you know, if one of you fellas want to elaborate on it, you can, but I just really, um, I just really need for them to get this time management thing, um, figure the fuck out during this bye week mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying don't use no timeouts until the two minute warning. I'm not saying that, but you know, timeouts for, plays not being in and not being, you know, ready to snap. Like we need to be at that line of scrimmage with like 17, 15 seconds, you know, getting all the checks, audibles and, and, and ready to go. Why, why is we, you know, burning timeouts like this? And, you know, it's just, it's just mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, that really, uh, really bothers me from that aspect. Um, now, as far as, uh, you know, the coordinators, uh, Joe Brady, uh, Matt, um, Phil Snow and Chase Blackburn. I mean, the, uh, Larry and Will have already touched on them. So I don't want to, you know, regurgitate because I pretty much am in agreement with what they, uh, you know, said pros and cons about both. Um, you know, because I do realize that, you know, the roster is still being built. So they are playing with the with the incomplete deck. But I, I think we are. We are seeing that the 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 young the, the best players or the most reliable, consistent players are the young players, and that's good. That's what you want to see when you're doing a rebuild. You want to see that it's the the youth movement is the one that's slowly turning the tide here, and that's something that uh 
that I that I feel like is a something good to look forward to with this team. Um, far as the, you know, far as like the actual players, um, biggest disappointments for me so far, uh, I would definitely have to say is uh, the veterans that's on this team. Mm. Whether they had control over or not, it's a disappointment that Kawan Short is not playing this season. Back to back seasons would have showed it. That's a disappointment. I know that injuries happen and it can't, but that by far was just something because I, I would love to have seen how him and Dare Brown, you know, would have worked together on that aspect. Um, another disappointment in is uh, even though it has been better played lately, but still, you know, Trey Boston, still Trey Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, that's you know that aspect of it. Let me flip it over to the offense side real quick. Um, disappointments for me offensively. I'm I'm gonna call him out, Ian Thomas. You know you you sat behind one of the better tight ends yeah. in the, the NFL I've ever seen. Had no competition for the number one spot, and you pretty much have been related to. You know, not only man hurts, you know, starting and getting more slots, but the other guy, number 86, I can't think of his name, uh, Thompson, if I'm not mistaken, number 86. Like, I'm starting to see him getting more and more snaps. Like, like Ian, what, what's, what's, what's up, bro? You know, um, why, 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 why are you not dominating the snap count? What's, what's going on during the week that's allowing for you to not be looked at as the guy? So that's uh that's that's where my disappointments are at uh uh with this team and my um, evaluation overall. If I had to give it a grade, I um, I'm giving it a C minus, um, and it's not because um, I had huge expectations, disappointed. But you are what your records say you are, and with four and eight, um, you know it's hard for me to give you a B, especially when we've had so many games where we could have. Uh, potentially one, but we learned that winning is not easy in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, so far, um, I get this team a C minus, but trending in the right direction. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna reiterate what you guys already said, but yeah, I I, I give them a C. I give them a flat out C. Um, I like I like the uh, the motivation um, and the. Uh, relationship that that Matt Rule seems to to have even with the veterans and you know, obviously the younger players I I enjoy that the, you could tell those guys like to go out there and fly around and, and you know make things happen um it's just not on a consistent basis yet but uh, yeah yeah I, I I give them a C I give them a C and um let's talk about something real quick man Teddy Bridgewater is he what we need going forward Anybody like to take it? Yeah, I'll jump on that first. But before I, before I get on to Teddy, I just want to point out something that I pointed out to you guys, you know, off season. Mm-hmm. We had a league high as far as bad time management, bad clock management. And it's because there's an influx of new college coaches coming into a league, and it's a lot of young coaches. So we're just experiencing. We didn't have to deal with this with Rob because what well, we did, remember in the beginning, his first few years, clock management was terrible. I think that's just something that you deal with with young coaches. You know, new coaches, and that's just something that we got to eat. That's something that we're living in right now. Fair enough. 
but I'll let you guys touch on Teddy. I'm gonna say my Teddy comments for last because I think mine are a little bit different than everybody else's. Word, all right. Will, uh, what's your, what's your thoughts on Teddy, man? Is he, is he whooping D going forward or not? No, I try not to get caught up on two, three, four years from now because honestly, we don't know who on the roster gonna be here that long. Most NFL contracts in general are less than five years. So, I mean, mm -hmm. right now, I mean, as of today, I mean, it's his job to lose. I mean, the thing is, you know, he controls his last four games. It's funny because he kind of controls his job situation for next year. If he can win three of these games That's and push true. us down the draft board, we'll be out of range to draft a quarterback and he'll <laughs> probably be secure for another year or two. If we stink it up and lose the next four games, you know, we'll probably be our hand will be forced in that top three or five. You're going to have a great talent on the board, like a Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or somebody like that. And mm. you want, you know, you're kind of forced to take them right there. Cause you can't pass on guys like that with that kind of talent. Mm. So, I mean, I just think it's a continuing evaluation throughout the year. You know, I'm not going to get caught up on one or two plays or one or two games. I think like we said with the coaching staff, I mean, it's a, rebuilding year a new roster a lot of the moving pieces things going on that you know it's not really a clean evaluation on anybody this year in my opinion but mm. i think in order for him to at least buy himself another year or two i mean he's got to come through and make some plays these last couple of weeks and win some games because i do believe you know whether we want it or not if we're in the top five or six i mean we're going to probably draft one of the quarterbacks that's on the board so I mean, it's, I think, think it's going to be a continuous evaluation. I don't know what's going to happen three, four, five years from now. You know, I try not to think that far ahead. But mm -hmm. as of right now, I just think it's his job to lose, and he controls his own destiny. Hmm. Great point. That's a great point. Uh, Kev. For me, Teddy Bridgewater, I – I try not to let you know myself get too emotional with this because I, I really have grown to really uh, like Teddy, you know, on and off the field. So I just want to make sure I, I keep it in perspective. But uh, I want to go on the side of saying I, I want this team to do something that they've never done, and that's to build around a build around your quarterback that is fundamentally and technically sound. I, I want to see that, you know, as a Panther fan. I, you know, starting out, didn't see that with Kerry Collins, Steve Berline. Uh, you know, Jake made it work with what he had. I mean, don't get wrong, had pieces with Smitty, Muhammad, uh, Stephen, things like that. Um, you know, with Cam, we, we we felt like that his athletic talent and abilities would supersede, you know, overcoming anything. But just from an offensive point of view, I, I, I would love for this franchise to make a commitment you know, this season and even the next, even in this third season, you know, I know it's an option year, uh, solidifying that offensive line, uh, adding a more, couple more playmakers to the wide receiver core and definitely at tight end. And I want to really see what it's like for a quarterback to have three, four, five seconds, you know, on a drop pat, drop back pass. You know, our fans are so critical to say they don't see enough deep balls. Well, you know, we, you know, you got to get it, the, the, the right time to develop. And our, and our line just doesn't win enough consistently to do that. So for me, yeah, I, I want to say that I think Teddy Bridgewater 
definitely is uh, the quarterback of the, you know, the future. I know that he's moving to the age of 30, but as we'll see that, you know, if you, if you're healthy and play well, and I like to believe that he is that, you know, 30 is the new 25 per se for quarterbacks. You know, if you take care of yourself, eat right, train, and, you know, just have, you know, good luck with your health. But yeah, I definitely think Teddy's uh is a quarterback worth this franchise investing, um, building around moving forward. Bet. Okay. Um all right, Larry. Hold on, homeboy. I you you muted, bro. Say again. I think Teddy is really just a non a non conversation. I like the guy, but I also understand exactly what he was brought here to be. I understand what he's getting paid. Personally, I just feel like for $2 million more, you probably should have just let Cam just play out his contract and we want to try to move on and get a quarterback. And the reason why I say Teddy's a non-factor because I don't think it matters who's behind center for us to be successful. And the reason I bring that up is because so much talk is about us going and get a quarterback in this next draft. It's not going to happen if you don't build the trenches right. We saw you, you be destroyed an MVP quarterback's career because you never built around him properly. And you can only expect Teddy to do but so much if you don't protect him the way you're supposed to. I'm not talking about last game. I'm just talking about the year as a whole. Last game, yeah, we can point at Teddy. He didn't make the right throw or he had a bad game. He started out one for nine. There were other times in the season where he was capable of making the right throw and he was making the right decisions. He just didn't have enough time to have time to execute. So, you know, I have nothing against Teddy. He had a bad game. I don't write him off for that. He's also had some very good games where we were praising him. I just think he is what he is. You know, he's here to help bridge the gap from the rebuild to a championship contender. You've already invested in him, so I'd rather just see him. If you ask me if I'm confident in him, I'm confident that he can fulfill a whole three-year contract and help us win games. So until that's over, I'm not even trying to talk about quarterbacks. My focus is, yo, <laughs> what are we going to do to protect this man blindside? It don't matter who's back there to me. So I'm not a quarterback guy, man. I'll, I'll study the trenches. I'm just giving my little feedback on that. I don't care who's back there. I don't care how people feel about Teddy Bridgewater. When I see the Teddy Bridgewater comments, I keep on scrolling, bro, because it's not. It's it's a non-factor. It's not important right now. We got to build these trenches. But if nobody can watch film and see that the offensive line is the biggest factor, whether we win or lose, you know, I don't have nothing to talk about. Hmm. Yeah, on the post game, we we mentioned. Um the um the post game we talked about um the the trenches obviously and getting getting the that that shored up for consistency um you know we have one of our one of our fans were mentioning the while while we talking about offensive line when you know we didn't have a they sack. Gave that up game. Zero sacks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's one game, folks. Look at look at the rest of the season and, and and tell me that you're comfortable with the offensive line that we have. You'd be lying to yourself. And that's you one know? game where you got to mention Tim that you got to go back to the scheme. Like I said about Joe Brady, he finds ways to help Teddy get rid of the ball fast. You can't just see zero sacks in the column and think you have an all pro offensive line. We don't have that. When there's certain things that we see weaknesses on the defense that we're facing. We can't exploit those things because we don't have the right guys on the offensive line to establish dominance. So, like I said, it don't matter who quarterback is, bro. We, we got to get this offensive line the way I want it to be. Like, I'm the coach. I'm being honest with you. Hey, Will, you wanted to say something? 
Let's say you mute off. Okay. Go ahead, Kev. Yeah, one thing I was going to say to follow up on what uh, Larry was speaking on, I just pulled it up here. You know, when we was talking about, you know, protecting, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, when I'm looking at, you know, his sacks for the year, uh, we got three games where he wasn't sacked. Uh, we got three games where he was only sacked once, two games where he was sacked twice, and then a three-piece, a four-piece, and a five-piece. So, overall, you know, a lot of that credit has to go to the scheme uh, that's been used to Joe Brady. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, well, fuck it. Let me let me give my man some love here because uh, we need to resign him. Taylor Moten, he's in the NFL right now. He only has given up 12 pressures all year. That's that's his. Uh, I know that's not his blind side. So I don't want people to start taking. Well, put him over to the left. No, leave that man right where the hell he is, because right tackle has quickly come up to be just as important um, as the uh, left side. Uh, um, you know, in, in my in my opinion. But you know, that's a lot of that has to go to the scheme. You know, quick release. Um, I don't know if we really move the pocket that much. You know, roll out some things of that nature. But. Um, but yeah, that um, yeah, the you know the, the trenches just it leaves a lot to be desired because our running backs are working way too hard to get the little bit of yards that they get. You know, even when McCaffrey, the few times he has been healthy and played, and yeah, it do look like he, you know, has produced. But it's like, you know, can we get them to the second level sometime untouched? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when the last time you can say you seen us do a seven step drop back? <laughs> you know, we're already lined up in pistol or shotgun a large majority of the time in our formations anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, you he know, not, you're not coming out from under center and getting seven. <laughs> nah, sorry. bro, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I, happening. <laughs> yeah, I'd I, I be hard pressed to say if I, if I was to stay up all night and watch all 22 of all passing plays, I bet I wouldn't find seven, five plays where we had a seven step drop back. <laughs> <laughs> Bubble so, slant. Yeah, so um, yeah, shout out to to Brady with the scheme, and we got uh, wide receivers that know how to get yak. So uh, that's just how I see it. Right, man. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm with I'm with you, Kevin. I mean, I like Teddy, man. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he, obviously, he's an accurate quarterback. Something we haven't seen in years. Um, no, no shots of Cam. It's just two different quarterbacks. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I see. I see what you I see. What you guys are saying, you know, we 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 have what we ha- what we have, and we have to we have to deal with what we got. But if we don't have an offensive line, we got a stud in the backfield behind that quarterback that's going to be the focus point of, focal point of this offense going forward, regardless of who the quarterback is. You know, Christian McCaffrey's good. He, that's that's our offense, and you know it's it's obvious that that we can't do too much without him. I mean, Mike Mike Davis is playing his ass off, but he's he's no Christian McCaffrey. Even that that little bit, it, that little bit of that 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 Christian, you know, was playing when he came back for that little bit. You know, he he was carrying the ball, man. He was he just hits the hole differently, bro. He he just hits that hole just 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 differently. You know, Mike Mike likes to dance a little too little too much, but you know, if we if we don't get an offensive line and in front in front of these guys, regardless, it, it's not gonna it's not gonna pan out very well, regardless, man. Uh, unfortunately, but I, I see what you're saying, Will, about about if we if we have that talent on the board, we we got to go for that. 
if we have a Lance in front of us, we we got we we got to. But hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll address the offensive line if that's the case. Um, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Uh, man, we, I, I hate I hate for us to waste talent like like DJ and Christian and, and all these guys, man. Just because we don't build around them correctly, I, I would hate for that to happen. I really would. But um, well, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I know a lot. Another thing people are talking about is okay. Our priority needs to be cornerback because we don't have shut down corners. At one point in the in the season, we were ranked seventh in yep. pass defense. You gotta also you gotta understand that this this secondary is young. <laughs> what cornerback do we have on our roster with more than five years of experience? Like just like you guys used to tell me, oh, give give James Bradbury time to develop. Give him the year four. Give him the year five. Why we don't get the same energy with Troy Pride mm. and Dante Jackson? Mm. I just don't. I don't get it. Why they don't get the same energy? Mm. We've been investing into the defensive backfield the, the last past couple of seasons, so. When are we going to do what I want to do? And let's get up to jump on this offensive line. Right. Guess what happened when you? Guess what happened when you addressed the offensive line early? Use a second round pick on Taylor Moten, right? Everybody wants to resign him, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's what happens when you address it early. You got a solid piece on your offensive line, and right now everybody's desperate to secure. It's time to go back in that direction, bro. We gotta get we gotta get some offensive line pieces, man. I'm not gonna be satisfied. It's gonna be hard for me to continue to watch football if it's not addressed properly. Mm. And speaking of secondary, Will, what what do you think about our uh, our young our young corners, man? Are, are are we in a good good place with these guys, Troy and uh, man, I can't remember the most of them. <laughs> um, I mean. Granted, he's still a young player, so we don't know how he's going to develop next year and then year three. But what I've seen so far, you know, I don't think he's shown anybody anything that would make you comfortable with him going into camp as the starter next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Dante Jackson's got a year left. I think he'll be hopefully be healthy in his contract year to be able to perform. I think Russell Douglas has done an excellent job coming over from Philly. Now he'll have a full offseason with us to – come out. I mean, Corn Elder's having probably the best year of his career, finally living up to the player he can be. So, I mean, if you go into the season next year with Dante Jackson, Rasul Douglas, and Corn Elder, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I still think, I mean, it depends on what, the, what kind of defense do you want to be. Do you want to be a heavy zone scheme, keep everything in front of you, let the guy catch it, tackle, bend but don't break type defense? Or do you want guys that can line up, get in the wide receiver's face, take away one side of the field, play man coverage, and allow you to have that flexibility to do more blitzing, play more man coverage, and those kind of things? So it just depends on what direction they want to go with the defensive scheme. I mean, if Phil Stone wants to continue to be, I mean, we are 31st in the league in cover one defense. We only play it 19% of the time. Jesus. I mean, that just kind of tells you what the defensive scheme is. If they want to continue to be this heavy zone, soft zone coverage team, I mean, then fine. Keep the guys we have, and I think we can get away with that for another year or two. But, you know, if you want to see that kind of flip a bit and, you know, play more cover one and have a guy that can shadow the DeAndre Hopkins, the Michael Thomases, the Mike Evans, Chris Godwins, and Julio Joneses, I mean, you have to – Get a guy that can do the that has that capability, and I think there's two guys in this draft that can do that. 
So, I mean, that's, it's another – I mean, I, what I like about this draft is we got a lot of needs. We got a lot of holes on this roster. I mean, mm. there's really no wrong, right or wrong draft pick. I'd be happy with Micah Parsons, Patrick Sertain. I'd be happy with Caleb Fairley at cornerback. I'd be happy with Trey Lance at quarterback. I mean, I'd be happy with some offensive tackles that may be on the board as well. But I think I wouldn't be comfortable going into the season with the secondary as is now. I just think you'll see a lot of the same – 80% type zone scheme, you know, bend but don't break, giving up those easy completions, not challenging mm-hmm. receivers, and not being able to get a pass rush because they have no assistance whatsoever on that back end. So it just depends on what kind of defense do you want to beat. And, I mean, if they want to continue to be this heavy zone scheme, then we can keep it as is and just try to move forward and worry about addressing other positions. Hey, well, I didn't watch much Troy Pride in college, um, but I did watch a lot of Dante Jackson. I am very familiar with Russell Douglas. Is it safe to say that we're not even really playing to their strengths? Because from what I always saw at LSU, Dante Jackson was the type of corner that likes to be up in someone's face. He likes to be able to be in the receiver's hip pocket. Now you're kind of forcing him back, you know, making him play off coverage, and that might attribute to some of the struggles that he's having, you know, He's had times throughout the last three years where he's been beat man-man coverage. You remember the one with Antonio Brown and a few times this year, but I also attribute that to us not having an offseason, guys not being in shape. But if you really look at the strengths and the, the traits of a player, Dante's one of those guys where I think he benefits from being in man. So you might want to go get another cornerback like him, just bigger, that can get up into someone's face. And I also watched a lot of Corn Elder in college because he, he played for my foe. Corn is probably the most physical defensive back that we have. So, if anything, he wants to be up in someone's face. I think we actually have players to fit that kind of scheme, but we just we haven't played to their strengths. That's just my opinion. I was I just wanted your feedback because again, I'm a trench guy. I'm not fully on the secondary. I just watch what I watch. Yeah, look at Dante as a quarterback baiter. He's going to play off coverage and he's going to use that closing speed to break on the ball and try to bait him and try to get those interceptions that way. If you look at the way he gets a lot of his interceptions, he's trapping the quarterback. The quarterback doesn't think he can get back fast enough or break on the ball quick enough. And then Dante's going to sink up, get get up high like the one in the Cardinals last year and take mm. that passing lane away. And I think he did that at LSU as well. He wasn't a boundary corner that's going to play outside and lock up LSU. He moved around. He played some free safety. He played a lot of nickel. He played a lot of off coverage, and he was able to break on the ball. You remember they had guys like um, Greedy Williams. There was the guy that was going to be on the boundary, locking up, being physical, playing man press consistently. Mm-hmm. I think Dante, he's small. He's a small guy, so you can't have him up on the line pressing like that because he's not going to win You know, with playing that hand fighting at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be the guy that's going to play off coverage, the cover three, cover four type guy, and bait quarterbacks and make plays on the ball and zone coverage, I think. I mean, he can play man like maybe a mirror-type coverage where he doesn't have to press. It's not all man coverage. Man coverage and press coverage isn't the same thing. Press is an alignment. Yes. Man coverage is a technique, is a yeah, is a um, scheme. So he can play that mirror-type man coverage at the line of scrimmage where you don't have to press and be physical. But I still think he's better as that, that quarterback beta playing that off coverage and being able to break on the ball and disrupt passing lanes. Uh, Russell Douglas... I look at it as kind of a corner safety hybrid, great tackler, physical guy, but I don't think he's got the fluidity and athleticism to be a consistent man cover guy himself. And that's similar with Corn Elder too. I look at him as a zone guy that's gonna 
play that flat coverage, you know, be a short tackler, limit yards after catch, make plays on the ball. If you're asking me to step up and lock up um, slot wide receivers like a Julian Edelman type guys, I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to win those one-on-one -on -one matchups. So I do think part of the reason we play so much zone coverage is that we just don't have the guys that can consistently lock up and play man coverage and shadow receivers all across the field. But, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some teams were very successful playing zone coverage. Look at the 2013 Panthers. They didn't play much man either. And they had the number one defense in the league. So this depends on what kind of scheme you want to run. Because I don't think um, defense is bad because we play zone coverage. We're just not playing it properly. You know, mm. linebackers aren't getting in passing lanes, reading routes fast enough. And, you know, we're corners are being too playing too scared to get beat deep and not breaking on those underneath routes to get those breakups. So, you know, it just depends on what kind of scheme they want to run. And we'll find out this spring when they start the draft. How come Dante Jackson hasn't gotten up with Christian McCaffrey's nutritionist yet? You know, that's a good question because I don't, you know, if y'all noticed the the breakout season that um both um that uh DJ Moore and Curtis Simmons is having, guess who they spent the whole off season with? In the mountains. Um, you know, before the yeah, they was up in Colorado, mm -hmm. Colorado getting it in. Um, so you know, you know, there's something to be said there. But while we're talking on the secondary, and like you, Larry, I'm a trench guy, and so I'm learning this secondary on the fly. I probably know the least as far as like techniques and schemes for DBs, but you know, I just from what I'm seeing on film, I wouldn't be opposed to making Dante the the nickel and then and go drafting us an outside corner because you know a lot of teams are put their you know best wide receiver a lot motion them into the slot. And, you know, we have a guy that can take advantage there, whereas you know, whereas now you know Cornell, you know, so many times he get locked up on the number one receiver and. You know, he does the best he can, but, you know, you just simply, you know, just, you know, outman, out-talented. Um, me, i like to see us, you know, run some more down personnel. I would love to see us, you know, just be in a position where we got enough cornerbacks to go for cornerbacks, two safeties, or however you want to divvy it up. Because I get tired of seeing teams come out in four and five wide receivers, and I'm still sick of seeing a damn nickel, damn defense. I'm like, I thought that went out with Rivera, so I'm not mm -hmm. – uh, you know, forgive me if it sounds like I'm a, I'm a Madden head speaking about it, but I, I you know, I, you know, <laughs> you know, do we not have enough corners to, to, to run four cornerbacks out there at one time to, you know, cover up? I, apparently not. So I'm just a fan just making, you know, comments off of what I'm seeing. But uh, I definitely think Dante would have more success if he played more in the slot um, than, than he do on the outside. Hey, Kev, for the last, we could say 20 years, bro. We ain't had no athletes in the secondary. We got them now, though. <laughs> and if you look at what, what Matt, Matt Rule philosophy was, isn't it one of the biggest priorities, the athletic profile? If you look at all our position yeah. groups, if you go to that DB room, that might be the most athletic room we got besides the receivers. So you got the athletes back there. I'm ready for Matt Rule to show me. Okay, you wanted these athletic guys, you got them. I don't care what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Show me how to make them great. That's what you're here for, right? <laughs> true, true. Good, damn good point. Yeah. I feel you. When the last time we had two corners that ran four three or better? 
Y'all must have forgot we had old Patrick Tillman, Kurt Coleman, Roman Harper, all them dudes was back there running. Oh, Mike Adams. They was back yeah. there running four eights, bro. Yeah. We got guys that's back, back <laughs> We got guys that got legit four four speed all over the field. So show me how you can take advantage of that. You know, quite frankly, I'd be I, it, it it would really make me happy if we can find another prototype like Chin. And have and have two, and have him and have a have two chins in the safety position, man. Just run a just run a Tampa two, bro. <laughs> just have two chins in the safety position. Just run a Tampa two and and get a get a decent Mike linebacker, man. Just we've we've got to shore up the center of that field on defense. Uh, that, that's probably our weakest point right now. But yeah, it is what it is. I get that, but you there's one thing we can't complain about that we got to complain about for the last twenty years is oh we're not athletic enough back there. We too old back there. We the opposite now. We athletic as fuck and we young as fuck. Right. So show me how we can win like that. Word up. Word up. Well, I tell you one way we can win is putting points on the board. <laughs> Making our opposition one dimensional. That that that'll help. That'll help. But uh yeah. We got a uh, we got a couple more games left this season, folks, and uh, we'll uh, we'll 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 be able to do some evaluations, and so will you. And uh, we we would uh, kindly uh, suggest that you uh, keep keep your eyes open. Um, there's there's no telling what's going to happen. But one thing's for sure, um, we're going we're going to see these young these young bucks grow. Um, I'm I'm happy as hell with that we got Chen and Brown and Burns on this on this roster. Um, and you know, we get, we get the right position coaches in place. You know, these, these, uh, these young corners can turn into some, um, to some, to some dangerous, dangerous foes for opposing wide receivers. So, you know, keep, keep your, keep your eyes open for that folks. No doubt. No doubt. Um, guys, have any closing shots, Larry? I know you, uh, you have the J-O-B, man. You have any closing shots, bro? No, I'm good. Just want you guys to keep counting. understand what type of season it is. And always look to see where we can get better and how we can improve on what we've been in the past few years. So notice that culture change because that's, some, that's something that I do see, mm-hmm. win or lose. The culture in Carolina is changing. No doubt, no doubt. Piece of temper on that shit. <laughs> uh, Will, closing shots? Just I think, you know, I think we're going to learn a lot about who wants to be here. You know, when they got nothing to play for, when guys are playing mm. for jobs for next year and showing off, auditioning to see who wants to be on the roster and part of this rebuild long term. So, I guess that's what you're pretty much watching for now. So, stay tuned. Dig it, man. Dig it. Uh, and Kev. Well, as always, as I like to do, I always want to thank each and every fan and listener of the Four Man Rush. Uh, we appreciate you guys, and we love your energy and your your steady commitment to us. Uh, as far as you know, with this team, um, you know, I'm, I'm just you know, as stated, you know, it's, it's meaningless football now. Let's see who who really wants to buy into this rule restoration, and and I, I just want to look forward to seeing this uh, offensive and defensive lines continue to. Um, evolve and put put together good um, good consistent effort. So for me, thank the fans and uh, steady improvement in the trenches is uh, is my closing thoughts. Right on, man. Yeah, uh, shoot. Stay tuned, Panther fans. 
We still got some football left. Now, this season's not over. Um, not technically, anyway. <laughs> From a playoff standpoint, that shit's over. <laughs> but yeah, hey, be, be sure to watch the team, man. Yeah, there's, there's some uh, there's some exciting things going on out there, and I, I know for a fact nobody nobody have seen has seen what Chen has done. Um, <laughs> for for this for this Panther team as a rookie, I we we've not we've not seen anything like that from a defensive player on this team. No, not not like that, not like that. Um, so you know, he we we got some special players on this team, man. You know, so you know, if if you enjoy football, you you're you're gonna enjoy watching this team going forward. I I, I got a good feeling about that. Got a good feeling about that, and um, you know. Keep your fingers crossed and your eyes open. We're going to keep pounding. So, um, on behalf of the four-man rush, um, we would like to thank you guys for checking out the podcast once again. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. If you haven't subscribed to one of our um, uh, to our podcast on one of these platforms, uh, please do. And uh, you know, stick with us. Uh, we have a ton of information. Um, and some some very intelligent football savvy individuals up that are a part of the four man rush. Um, just check out the content and you'll see what I'm talking about. Dig it, right on. So, if you're listening to this podcast in the morning, afternoon, and evening, we wish you guys all the best. Uh, wash your hands, keep your hands away from your faces. COVID shit is killing people. Just stop playing games. Seriously, stop playing games. We'd like to see you guys around. Dig it, right on. So. Y'all have a great night. No, pet your cat. Brush your teeth. Take your kids and shut the mouth and do the work. And as always, <laughs> keep out. And that's a clear. Is that number what? 70, what, five? That is 76. Six? I think. Oh, Greg Hardy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a great. Greg Hardy episode. She love it. We out in public and we can just chill with my partners and we can go back to my crib and just chill out the covers and do we come in and you love us. The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you.